welcome to episode three, the final episode in this special podcast series all about intergenerational wealth. I am Amelia Hamilton, Audience Development Executive at CityWire and your host. In the first two episodes of the series, we've covered the five pillars of intergenerational wealth and looked in greater detail at gifting. Today, however, we look to the future. And the two people here with me to do just that are Kat McNally, Investment Business Development Manager at PRU, and Taylor Beavis, Director and Advisor at Universe Financial Advice. So welcome, both of you. The rise of technology has altered how people get information. So Kat, I just wanted to kick things off with you and ask, is the financial services industry ready to welcome this new generation of clients whose ideas are shaped by TikTok and online content? I think the answer to that is is probably well it depends um the majority of advisors um that certainly I've been speaking to over um you know many many years I'd say possibly not um but you know we do have a, a younger cohort of advisors coming into the industry and definitely you know that we do see um a lot more online presence um so you mentioned uh, uh social media um service such as TikTok um if you if you have a look at TikTok and you subscribe to TikTok there are you know, a wrath of, of financial planning ideas and advice given over the sort of social media content. So I, I think I think we're we're starting to come round to the fact that it, it is going to be a way of, you know, giving financial advice, especially, you know, we've had two years of the Zoom call meetings with clients. Um and I think a lot of clients are, are more comfortable with that now rather than uh, having to take time out to, to go down to an advisor's office, etc. Um some won't be, some prefer to see the whites of the eyes. Um I certainly think we've got a long way to go. <laughs> Definitely. Do you think there's any kind of misconceptions that can kind of come across with people who are getting a lot of that information from a more unregulated source like TikTok? Yeah, this, so this is a really interesting one. And I look at this through an eye of, uh, you know, being an expert in this industry. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look at a lot of these videos, like, let's just use the TikTok analogy, you know, these 30 second clips and some of them, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's 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 best appalling the advice that's on there <laughs> there are some really really good ones though you know I'm, I'm not saying i'm not tarring them all with the same brush but then I'll, I'll i'll be out let's say with with friends um down you know the school gates wait, waiting for the, the kids to come out of school and you know someone will say oh i heard on you know i saw this video but you know cryptocurrency is the best one you know people say oh you know i've got a bonus from work and i'm thinking about cryptocurrency because tiktok says it can't go down and you know there's all these sorts of um you know so so from my professional point of view i, I look at a lot of them and and with that hat on i can i can quite clearly see what's good and what's what's just incorrect but someone who doesn't have that that experience I think they could be quite easily duped into to believing that well if it's on social media it must be true and I think that's across every part of our lives you know what what there's a lot of you know misconceptions on on social media I guess I'd I'd throw it over to Taylor then is are there any clients that you've had that have got information that is wrong or has benefited them or are there any resources you'd recommend how how are you managing that kind of sphere yeah I mean I think that I would echo um what Kat's saying in terms of TikTok uh, could be quite dangerous actually um for for a lot of uh the intergenerational planning that I do actually sometimes that's a barrier to be able to have 
the, the initial conversations because they've been fed this information on TikTok already um, and you're, you're trying to educate them as best as you can. Um, and you almost have to start with the basics as to what is regulated financial advice so they understand the the sort of um, the uh, knowledge that we come come to the table with and the experience that we have rather than somebody who is um, showing on TikTok that they've got some credentials because of um, how many followers they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it's less about number of followers. Um, and unfortunately, I think in the younger generations, what we're seeing, um, certainly from my position when we're advising families, is they're actually less interested on um, taking a recommendation from a family member. So whereas beforehand, if mum, dad, or, or grandma, grandpa would recommend their advisor that they've worked with for many years, um, you'll still find scenarios when you're talking to the younger individuals where they're really testing you out. They don't just take that as gospel, um, that, that because mum and dad uh, trust the advisor that they should. Um, millennials and Gen, um, Gen Z are really uh, keen at looking for themselves as to what are the credentials. And I find that they're more interested in um, achievements of the advisor rather than education. So what have you done? I had a conversation this week with um, a young individual Uh, part of an intergenerational planning conversation and he wanted previous case studies of scenarios where I had helped individuals um, regardless of the fact that I've helped his family for a couple of years now Um, so he's less interested in that. Whose retirement do you think is more at risk to the spectre of inflation is it the soon to retire boomer or do you think it's more the squeezed middle class millennial? If, if you if you sort of look at the generations and where they are in their pension planning, you've got the younger generation who obviously you know are in jobs, have got auto enrolment, um, you know they're they're maybe in a, a position where they can afford to put more into their pension. All of a sudden, Netflix has gone up in price, Peloton's gone up in price, everything that they you know do on a daily basis, you know firing up that hot tub has gone up in price. So are they willing to sacrifice? Well, actually, I maybe won't increase my pension contributions this year because cost of living's gone up. I don't want to increase, um, you know, I don't want to put more money into my pension because I might need that money to, to, to have, like, living costs, etc. So I think from that point of view, the younger generation, there's a risk that they're not now saving enough for the retirement. Um, you've then got the individuals who are just about to retire um, and they're at a point of where maybe they're de-risking. Um, so they're possibly de-risking from risk assets to, you know, fixed income at the worst possible time. Um, so there's there's a question there of would you want to de-risk those assets at this point in time or maybe do you have to wait? And is that a conversation around, uh, you know, working a bit longer and, and, and waiting? It depends what their situation is and whether or not they've got other assets that they can afford to live off. ISAs, etc. Um, but you know, we we know obviously inflation um, is rising quicker than interest rates are going to, to keep up with that. Um, so everyone's going to everyone's going to be feeling the squeeze. And we can we can see that young people do have different priorities. Uh, that's that's for sure. And I, I guess it brings some trickier questions to the foreground in terms of business model. Um, so, Kat, I was I just wanted to ask you: Do you think advisors might have to face up to the notion that? future generations of, of client won't make them as much money? Um, I suppose it depends how you look at that future generation um, and, and what you mean by not making as much money. I, I definitely think the younger generation aren't as willing to sort of sit back and just accept, well, that's what my charge is and, 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 and get on with it. Whereas, you know, my dad's generation 
um, you know, if the advisor tells him his, his charge is 0.75 or one or, or half percent, whatever it is, he's probably not likely to challenge that. Whereas I would probably challenge it a little bit and say, okay, so for that, what am I getting for, you know, what, what is your rule for that 0.5 or 0.75? But in terms of not making as much money from the next generation, I mean, to be honest, I mean, if I am a client, I'm, I'm not profitable because, you know, I don't have a lot of excess wealth. I still I'm in the stage where I have a lot of outgoings, etc. for for children, school fees, all the all the all the stuff that you have to to pay. So, um, you know, I'm not a profitable client. However, um, you know, my dad's generation, my dad would be a very profitable client. However, by excluding the next generation, not having that intergenerational link, the danger for our business is you've got an aging client bank. So, you know, what happens to your client bank once your clients start, you know, I'll, I'll put it bluntly, start dying off. Um, so, you know, if, if you're an advisor that's at a point in your life where you've built up a client bank, you've got a good renewal from that client bank, you don't really need to look for new clients. We see, we see, I hear that all the time from advisors. They're not taking on new clients because they've got enough and, you know, that they can't physically service any more clients. But if that client bank is, is, is in its 70s and then you're in a position where you want to retire and sell that client bank on, how likely is someone going to come in? I think moving forward, if you're looking to sell your business, intergenerational work and having the links to the next generation, albeit not to service them, is key. But also, if you know, you're know you a younger advisor and you want to be looking to buy a client bank, you also need to be looking for those links. So you might you might see a client bank that it looks very, very profitable. But if you've got, you're going to be in this industry 30 years and that client bank's life expectancy is five or 10, then it's going to be a lot harder work for you. I guess, do you think then having an advisor that is more of a family advisor and services a whole group does make advice more accessible to lower net worth clients? Yeah, I think it makes it more accessible um, from the point of view of, um, you know, financially so cost cost wise as i said before sometimes the, the advice costs can be um, a little bit more streamlined if you're advising a family um, but i think we do forget being in the industry that a, a lot of people that your regular um, you know joe blogs are not always as aware as we are as in terms of investing so in terms of accessibility accessibility to the the education side of it as well is, is really great when you've got that family um, that family link up so yeah i think it does I guess another aspect of trying to increase accessibility does link back to that technology side of things we were talking about at the beginning, and that's virtual advice. So, Kat, do you think that virtual advice will become more prevalent? Do you think um, a virtual relationship might become the norm? And do you think that would allow greater access? When it comes to sort of intergenerational planning and given that it's quite a sensitive subject, I think that's always a, a good thing to be done more face to face because you can read people a lot better when they're sitting in front of you. But the odd, um, you know, if you've got that sort of family link and you've maybe got a, a client um, that's uh, so grand grandchild just about to get married um you know there's options there for i tell you what you know because you're you know because grand and granddad are such a good client um you know if you want 
I can do a, a, a virtual, um, you know, 30 minutes with the, the new couple just to explain things that might change when they get married. So power of attorneys, wills, updating wills, updating pensions. The same with divorce, you know, um, you know, you, you talk to your clients, you know, unfortunately, my, my son um, and, and my daughter-in-law are getting divorced. Right. OK, well, if you want, you know, we can have a quick 30 minute uh, Zoom chat to discuss some of the next steps you have to take I know it's always really awkward discussions to have around about right okay let's cut them out the well you know let's make sure they don't you know that they're not getting more than they should from your pension etc etc um but the amount of cases that we see come through where uh you know couples have got divorced and and you know they've not done the financial planning side of it and then you know uh, someone passes away and all of a sudden the ex-wife's off with a pension and the you know the, the kids are left with nothing we've all heard this the, the stories that that go on so um i think there's definitely elements of advice that can be given um virtual but probably the the, the larger let's talk around about okay sorting trusts out for the children then that that stuff's better off I would say done face to face as you were just saying the prop getting on the property ladder is is a huge motivator for millennials searching for advice what extent do you think the parents generation have um, in terms of responsibility to help with gifting and do you think that's a good marketing hook for advice firms looking to grow their client banks my personal opinion is I don't think anybody has a responsibility to give money if they don't want to. Um, but I think that, that it is a good thing in terms of specifically for the house deposit. Um, you know, there's research out there. I think Atom Bank actually did some, did some research on this, um, that saving for your first home uh, get, provides uh, or, or um, causes a lot of anxiety in young individuals um, because they're seeing their friends get their first home and they're not really understanding actually how they achieved it and it might be because mum and dad gifted them and some individuals don't have that luxury so I think that in terms of responsibility if mum and dad can gift money um, then it is a good thing um, but this is, I think, why I'm seeing uh, the scenarios that I mentioned before. Mum and dad may be looking at the retirement provision and still uh, asking the children to do the majority of building up the house deposit. But if they can afford it, I think it is a good thing um, for children to reduce the anxiety, to help them get on the property ladder. And I think getting on the property ladder now is, is much harder than it, than it ever has been. That's, um, I mean, the obvious thing. So I think some support is, is very much welcomed. Um, in terms of the, the business perspective of it, um, I think that a lot of advisors are not prepared to necessarily help individuals get onto the property ladder if they're just an investments and pensions advisor. And I think we've really got a responsibility, and it's certainly something that I try and do within the business, to have signposting options. So, you know, if you, we are almost like uh, money doctors, financial doctors, right? So when you go to a doctor, if they can't help you, they have a very good network of signposting um, or, you know, uh, other, other companies that could support you, or charities even. Um, and so we, and, and that's why we named the company Universe, try to build up that universe around you. And if we can't help you, hopefully we can find someone that will. So it might not be um, that the, the individual saving for their first home are going to become a client today. But if you can build that relationship even by signposting and not necessarily giving an advice, they're likely to come back to you in the future. So I think this only sort of enhances the business prospects for you as the advisor. Absolutely. I mean, huge amounts of food for thought there. And I'm sure we could go on all day talking about all of that stuff. But uh, I think that is all we've got time for for this series. I'd just like to thank my guests, Kat and Taylor, for joining me. And thank you to all of you for listening. I've been Amelia Hamilton for CityWare.